I knew that I would have a choice of to stay or come back, but I couldn't tell anyone that because if I did, I would be giving up my power to fully own that decision. And then I would be co-creating with whoever I told, which would mean I'm co-creating with whatever fears that they might have of me not coming back. Absolutely. So I decided I cannot tell a soul. <laughs> I went in for the surgery and it was, um, you got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? G'day, g'day, and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you again, expanding and awakening consciousness. Well, we have an extraordinary story for you today with the wonderful Nicole Magic. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. Your story is amazing. And as I was just saying before I press the record, I had somebody else on the show about a month ago, and then I had her in the Cosmic Conversations on the Conscious Awakening Network for the Galactic Alliance who had something similar to you, but she had so many other things going on that we didn't get to expand on what happened. So we can do that with you today. Let me share a little bit about Nicole. As a small child, Nicole was able to see auras, which allowed her to perceive many levels of awareness. And in March 2006, on her way home from work, Nicole was in a fatal car accident, which resulted in an extraordinary near-death experience. This changed her life forever and in every way. Before this, Nicole had an interesting and extensive background with a bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry and a master's in metaphysics and as a financial advisor. Nicole is a mum of four who has overcome many adversities in her life, severe mercury poisoning while being a sole parent providing for her family. Today, she is an accomplished leadership and empowerment strategist and educator and has created a highly effective life-transforming empowerment program. She awakens people to their true potential by erasing limiting programmed beliefs and showing people how they can live the life they deserve without compromising who they are or what they love. She founded the Magic LLC in April 2008, which is her coaching and consulting business, which straddles the corporate world and people wanting to know more about their potential. You can find out more of Nicole's work at magic, spelled M-A-J-I-K-L-L-C.com. But let's go into, do you want to start with what you were perceiving as a child before we get into 2006? We'll just dive right in anywhere. <laughs> I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to just explore a little bit what you were seeing as a child and how that unfolded before you had the sledgehammer moment that woke you up. <laughs> <laughs> as a kid, I actually grew up in a very Christian household. And um, so my perception of of what my gifts were, they weren't 
I perceived them as gifts within me, but everybody else did not. And it was very confusing because my, my whole family is very, very intuitive. They have prophetic dreams, all visions, all kinds of things, just like Claire knowing and, and different things like that. And um, for me, it somehow was different. And I, I ended up being demonized through my years and into my adult life. Um, my ability to see auras, I found out was not something that everybody really had when I was about seven years old. And that was while we were in church. <laughs> because even though everybody else's auras changed a around a lot, um, the priest always, because he was in meditative state, um, he was always purple when I saw him. So there was one day that he was green. And that's when I had asked my mom, because I got so curious, I couldn't contain myself anymore. Like, Why is this guy who is always purple now suddenly green? And, you know, being around seven years old, I was really young. So see colors around people. <laughs> you saw the priest who was normally purple and now he was green and you asked your mom. And what did your mom say when you asked her about, you know, the colors around people? Yeah, she was just like, you see color around people? And I said, yeah, don't you? Like, everybody does, right? And she's like, well, not really, but if I kind of squint a little, I can see a little whitish line around people. And I looked at her like, there's so much more than that, mom. Come on, really? And that's realized, oh, that's not normal right because she kept asking me well what do you see around this person and what do you see around that person and to me it was just normal and I could see these things and I realized to keep my mouth shut very quickly because people wanted to know what other people looked like and I had to understand what those colors meant and I learned what it meant just by observing people and their interactions and and seeing how the feel of their energy didn't match up with what they were saying or doing sometimes. So that became a thing. And over the course of my life, that it's just deeper and deeper into that. So, I mean, by the time I had kids, they couldn't lie. To and I would see their energy change when they tried to lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> so they used to get really frustrated. <laughs> Yeah, don't you love that? Then you grew up and became a scientist. And were you were you into metaphysics? Were you into healing, or were you so totally can like entrenched in the in the scientific world? I absolutely loved Eastern philosophy and all kinds of uh, occult and metaphysical things when I was growing up because I think part of it was because it was so taboo wanted to understand it like why was it so taboo and what about it was taboo and and I just remembered being told like I couldn't you shouldn't be watching these things or reading these things or whatever and I'm like yeah but doesn't it say you know you should know your enemy so why wouldn't you try to understand what it's about like I just wanted to 
consume stuff for knowledge and understanding. And that's what they, I think that they didn't understand. And I wasn't, you know, practicing all this stuff, but I, I just learned a lot with how things worked. And I learned a lot energetically because um, I also used to come out of my body from a very, very young age. And I learned a lot that way. So that was something that um, wasn't really understood either. And I couldn't really talk to anybody about. So I did, I was very interested in the metaphysical, especially in my teen years when things got amplified and I could hear spirits mm. as well. So you studied metaphysics before you had the accident in 2006, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting that you had such a, you know, huge thing happen. But let's go into the story. What happened in March 2006? Oh, okay. So that was March 3rd, 2006. I was on my way home from work. <clears throat> I was working in Cambridge at the time. And I got out of work late. So I ended up hitting rush hour traffic on the way home. Everybody was going really slow. I think we were going about 30 miles an hour on the on the high speed lane. And there was, what I noticed was that there was cars up ahead in the ditch and one of the cars was smoking. So it was down in the embankment and Tool, the band Tool, Stink Fist was playing on the radio. So that was my favorite band at the time. So I cranked that up. And then I realized, like, it felt like somebody just turned my head in this, towards my left. And I'm looking at this car and this lady in this car and her driver's side door is all smashed in. And she's all in slow motion, just swaying back and forth. And her hair was covering her face, this beautiful, curly, um, really dark brown black hair <clears throat> and I could it was funny because I could see like the sun hitting against specific hairs and th there were all these details that I noticed and everything was slowed down to the point where my mind was racing while I was watching everything happening in slow motion so I had a whole conversation in my head around oh my God, this lady's hair is so beautiful. And I wish I could see her face right now. And why is her door smashed in? And what actually happened? And where's the car that hit her? Because obviously this just happened. And then it felt like somebody pushed my head up. And I'm looking at the car that went up and over the Jersey barrier and was now pointed to land right in my lap, right where my steering wheel was. And the guy that was in that car his face, he was screaming and his face was all contorted from screaming and, you know, being up in the air. And our eyes kind of met for this fleeting moment. And I realized this guy's landing in my lap. And it was like, I could see all of the things that were about to happen. And he was going to land in my lap. And then his car was going to go over on mine pushing the roof of my car down onto my head breaking my neck and then I'd be dead so when I saw in his eyes 
I kind of just and saw that whole vision unfolding. I ducked down with I had my steering wheel in my hands. I ducked down as far as I could, and I know that I screamed, and then I just saw all of my family come up to me one at a time. And it it was like, we sat down and had a little conversation and I said goodbye. And I did that to each and every single one of them. Um, My kids, especially, and my husband at the time. And then after I said goodbye to all of the very close women, I just said, okay, I'm ready. And then this overwhelming peace and love just flooded me and everything went black. And when everything went black, it felt like I was flying through a tunnel and I could see, you know, different shapes and stuff. And I felt the presence and, you know, there was just, there was just a lot of divine guidance around And then all of a sudden, I'm like coming out the other side of this tunnel. And I'm flying, like not flying, but I'm I'm down like I came to like a gasp. Like if you were underwater and somebody held you under the water until this is it, the last breath that you could take, or or you're passing out. And then all of a sudden they pull you up that kind of gasp. And I, I would just came to and went like trying to get as much air into my lungs as possible. And then seeing, um, looking around and seeing I'm on the highway during rush hour traffic and there's absolutely no traffic around. And I just came to saying, oh my God, I almost just died. Oh my God. I'm looking at my rear view going, okay, where am I? Oh my God, I, I should have been dead. And then I was like, oh my God, am I dead? Because no one in front of me, no one behind me, no one on the other side of the highway at all. And then all of a sudden, as I'm saying, you know, WTF and, and all these other expletives, <laughs> um, I see this lone car come down the other side of the highway. And I'm thinking... You know, my joke on this is, well, which side of the freaking highway am I on? The way to heaven or the highway to hell? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Might need to change my music. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm I'm sitting there like, what the heck? And nothing made any sense. So what do I do? I called my mom. <laughs> and when I called my mom, she answered the phone and it, it kind of went like this. Oh my God, Gary, you okay? I was just praying for you. I usually pray for you in the morning, but oh my God, I just had this feeling that like I needed to pray for you and I, I was praying for protection. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, mom, can you just shut up for a minute? <laughs> I'm like, am I dead? And she's like, what? What are you talking about? No, you're not dead. What are you talking about? What's going on? And and then I just, I told her the story and she said, oh my gosh, you, you wrote angel wings. I'm like, well, it seemed more like a wormhole to me, but whatever it was, yeah, I definitely rode something. And then I ended up um, mapping out how far away it was because I knew where the thing happened. And then I, I had 
taken, I've taken notice of where I ended up when I came to like <gasps> with that big gasp, um, because there was a very specific bridge that um, I was, I was near. And that was like two and a half miles away from where the thing happened. And if I can back up for a minute, this happened at a time in my life where I had postpartum depression after uh, my third child, and that kind of spiraled down. And I didn't realize I had depression, but I was obsessed with thinking about how I could die every moment of every day. So I it was like, my... I'd have fantasies around like if anybody knows what the show a thousand ways to die is <laughs> all these freak accidents and stuff. That was the stuff that was going through my mind all day long. Well, I could do this or this could happen or just all these weird things and how I could take my life, how my life could be taken, all of it. And my mantra ended up being because these kids need me that just just hang on just a little bit longer that was all i would say so i'd fantasize about it and then say all right these kids need me just hang on a little bit longer just a little longer just a little longer and that's that used to be my day fantasize about death hang on just a little longer <laughs> and when this happened that flooding of that love vibration completely flipped the switch because I didn't think about death like that at all anymore. I had this fervor for life when I walked through the door and my son had greeted me at the door, my son's son. I grabbed that kid because it was two days before his birthday. And I grabbed him and I, I love you so much. I love you so much. And it was just like that love vibration that was like coursing through me. And I was just trying to give it to somebody and share it. And so that was the event. And then everything that happened afterwards was just crazy transformational in my life and has propagated out ever since. What do you think happened to you during this experience? That's a great question. Um, I Initially, I thought that maybe I had a walk-in experience because I ended up hearing about that kind of thing afterwards. And... There was something that was still didn't make a whole lot of sense with that, but it mostly made sense. So I kind of went with that to give me something to hold on to, something to learn about, or, you know, at least understand in a particular way. <clears throat> Over the course of, of like fast forwarding, I ended up watching Interstellar and and realizing that, okay, there's so much more that made sense. Like all the gaps that that I didn't know or I didn't have filled yet, everything was filled in. And it, it felt like, you know, I just, I had this near-death experience um, where there was 
maybe some kind of upgrade, you know, just some information downloads, energy up uploads and whatnot. <clears throat> so I, I, I think I actually died in that other dimension and passed through that passage. So it actually upgraded a different version of me because my essence, the energy from left that body and it had to go somewhere else, right? So I think that it went into a, another dimensional me and like added to it because it was like, okay, now I feel like I have some kind of purpose in life. And it helped me to be, you know, out of a certain state because there were a few anomalies where certain things were in different places or something did or didn't exist or existed in a different spot than it did in my recollection. And my kids even had different memories than I did. So, and they were just slightly different things. It wasn't anything that was huge because in, I think in order for you to be able to move from one dimension to another, the subtleties have to be just that subtle instead of huge changes because otherwise it would dismantle your your brain <laughs> because then you'd be thinking that you're crazy or you'd be deemed crazy or something and it just wouldn't work out. So I really think that that's what happened and I died. So I came into this space and when I found out about that accident, there was that a guy who hit a woman, went up over the Jersey barrier, hit a, like landed on another woman, like I described, and those two people both died. So I think me, and of course, coming in from rush hour traffic where it's bumper to bumper and you're barely moving on the highway. And that was like that the entire way home, every other time that, that I was on that highway during that same amount of time, even not rush hour traffic, it was still very heavy and there were no cars on that highway. I still, when I look back at it, it's so baffling. So you drove home like sort of traffic free. Yes. Like, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And as you were driving home, were you feeling that sense of, you know, that love that you felt when you, like you're feeling that all the way home? Like The entire yeah. time. I mean, I even had called, um, I'm divorced now, but my husband at the time, I called him up and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. And he's sitting there going, you're exaggerating. You're making this off. You're this and that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. Because I always try to be as accurate as possible. And especially being a scientist in mm -hmm. analytical chemistry, yeah. like accuracy is, is your integrity. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, with this other um, person I had on the show, Desley Locke, Australian naturopath, she had a similar experience, but not quite as extensive as yours in that she was in a car accident. 
and a bad car, like a head-on, and she was completely okay. And she's like, God, I escaped that. And the guy came over that hit her and said, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm okay, but my car must be a total write-off, like she was worried about the car. And then he said, let me just pull over. And he got in the car and he and he took off, <laughs> just like got out of there, just made sure she was okay. And she got out of the car and there was a scratch on the car. <laughs> there oh wasn't goodness. a scratch on the car. Yeah, so what happened there? You know, like what happened there? Yeah. So there wasn't a scratch on your car either. Like there wasn't, it's nothing. like a, it's like nothing happened. Like the accident didn't happen. Yeah, it was like I was just projected forward yeah. wherever. And it was, it's crazy to think about because if you try to think logically around it, no logic in my in my mind like it just doesn't make any sense none of it makes sense unless but i was there yeah well (laughs) it it makes sense when you say that you landed in a different parallel reality of you yeah a, a different parallel reality of you so it's interesting isn't it like that person that was depressed and wanting to die she died she died but another you that is here to make a difference she lived yes she did (laughs) and And she really learned how to live and love that life so tell us the changes that happened after that like how you transformed your life and and what how your family reacted to you did they remember you being depressed I'm trying to work this out or did did the loving person that come home was she always in their life how did that work yeah that's maybe a little bit fuzzy even because when I came to it was you know there was a lot of really tapping into intuition my intuition just like exploded out so there was a lot of being able to focus on myself so no matter what was happening before that I turned to tapping into understanding things for myself and just exploring what was happening because it felt very existential crisis. Um, It felt like there were so many things that were happening and unfolding at once. I wasn't sure if I was keeping up. So when I, uh, so I just started getting more into deeper meditation and I'd have all of these visions. So I was, I was writing in journals like crazy and just keeping two things. And there was a lot of call, being called to purchase certain crystals and just understanding what they were and how they, how they were being used. And even my son, I had done something for his birthday and I had this bag of assorted crystals and, and I was really tired one day and he brought one over from, from the bin of them or whatever. And he's like, mom, what is this? And I just kind of automatically put my hand out and was like, you know, I'm really tired. And, 
as soon as he dropped it in my hand, I was like, oh, that's chrysoprase and that and that's really good for this. And this is a really good stone for you because it'll help you, you know, keep calm and centered and focused. And that kid had a lot of energy at the time. And I sat there going, I don't even know how to spell chrysoprase. Like, what is that? I've never even heard the word. And thank goodness for the internet, because I ended up looking up so many things that I'm like, I've got to be making this up and go and look it up. And also thank goodness for autocorrect in, you know, spelling. <laughs> and I looked things up and everything was as I saw it. Everything spot on. So I, I started just diving into all of that. And that's when I found out about walk-ins. So that kind of triggered a little bit more of an existential thing because, okay, so if I am a walk-in, then am I myself or am I a completely different person? What is that? And who are these people then? Why do I want to be here? <laughs> right? So it started all this stuff. I I had changed the way I looked and my, I changed my hair. I changed my, my clothing style. It was just weird. There was a lot of things that I couldn't help, but do to see, you know, it felt right. So I did feel like a different person and it was weird to feel because a lot of our growth feels like an existential crisis because especially when you're stripping away deep-seated beliefs yeah and when those come out sometimes it feels like oh well who is this person now like this yeah. feels different and cool and weird and fascinating all at once yeah exactly yeah you're stripping away one identity and and um, when a new identity arises so what was the answer to that question when you said who am I? Am I a completely different person? Is this an upgrade of me? Because I think you've got clear guidance. You know, you've got you've got access to your guides. Did they answer you? Because they seem to be channeling through you. Did they answer you when you asked that question? Yeah, it, just, it felt like it just felt like a higher version of myself. Yeah. And with that, it was just keep exploring mm. because when we understand who we are there are so many layers and you can go so deep and it's just that is part of our lifelong growth yeah exploring our multi-dimensionality when you were saying you were channeling the knowledge of the crystal what I got was that there is a aspect of you in another life who was working with crystals and that aspect of you was channeling through you, that expert, that shaman, that one that knew all about crystals, even though you, the identity of you, didn't know the name of the crystal, but you accessed that multidimensional, that aspect of you. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I think you're absolutely right. How did you reconcile or how did your family or friends, because you said you grew up in a very religious family, that sort of, if you talk about crystals or psychic ability, it's the devil's work. How did you reconcile all that with your family? Were they on board with you? Were they open to it? Did they say, oh, you know, we've got to put you in an insane asylum or what happened there? So by the time this near-death experience happened, I was an adult. So 
it was kind of like I wasn't living in there under their roof. And now I get, I get to choose what I get to choose for my life. So I did kind of keep it a little bit, you know, under wraps as I was figuring some things out. But as I, as I progressed, I realized I just have to be me. And this is one of the reasons why becoming fearlessly authentic is part of my brand because part of one of my beliefs was if I don't become who they want me to be or act like that, then I won't be loved or accepted for who I am. So, and then there's a lot of conditions around that. And then I realized, well, that doesn't work because all that does is stifle who I am. And that does, that stifles me from aligning with what my truth, my passion and my purpose are. So I have to be able to be me and I can't really care what they think because guess what? I get to live my life. That's why I have my life. I get to make my decisions of what my journey, what my life looks like. And that's my free will. They have their own. So they have no authority over dictating what mine should be. That's why you've got yours. I've got mine. They've got theirs, all that stuff. And once I stepped into that, it was much easier to just to be like, well, you're either going to love me or you're going to disown me. <laughs> and I'm okay with what shows up and what doesn't. <laughs> this is so synchronistic. I can't tell you. My life is just one synchronicity after the other after the other. It's just this string of so I had a client yesterday and we were talking about this and he's been into this stuff for a while, but he's a businessman and he was and I'm talking about you know changing your identity because he can channel like he's amazing and he can see into people, but nobody identifies him as that. So he thinks that if he talks about this stuff, people are going to see him as woo and crazy. So I was sharing how I just talk about it everywhere, everywhere I go. I'm talking about how, you know, past lives. I'm talking about all this stuff. And I was at dinner last night with some people and one lady had said to me, uh, you're so familiar to me. Where do I know you from? We couldn't work it out. But they were having a conversation in the car because we went from an art exhibition to a restaurant and she's like, oh, she's into all that. You know, she was like a skeptic. She's a skeptic telling this other woman, oh, she's into all that, you know, stuff, you know, and rolling her eyes, that spiritual stuff like this. So I'm sitting <laughs> next to her at dinner and her friend revealed what she said in the car and I laughed and I patted her on the thigh and I just like loved her for her skepticism. And then I started talking about how my mother reincarnated. I'm telling all, and I'm talking to my spirit guides and it's freaking her out and she's mm. giggling and I'm giggling. Like, isn't this fun? You totally think I'm crazy and that's okay with me. It's like, you just have to be who you are. There's so many friends and, and um, friends, clients, I should say people, that belong to my group that you know they're into all this stuff and people that are listening but they'll never talk about it in public they'll never share what they're into they secretly watch these shows and listen to your stories and yeah we just got to get out there and talk about it right Nicole no that fear of judgment is just so deep in some people that it, you know it's there and I know I've experienced that too and even that visibility right? Because there's, there's a lot with stepping into being so much more visible. I had weird stuff that would happen. Every time I became more visible, 
I actually would have people come around that were like creepy and like very sexual, like creepy sexual. And it would make me want to like hermit because it triggered a sense of I'm not safe until I worked it out. And then I realized like this is completely a different thing. And even though whatever they were doing, I worked it out and I never not, I don't feel unsafe anymore with that. It's okay. Whatever it is that's triggering in you, it says nothing to do with me. And I don't need to hermit against that with you. So when you say you worked it out, so you became like you were unashamedly yourself and people were like attracted to you sexually or sort of coming on to you. What what did you work out that they were attracted to your light? Like what were they attracted to? And they thought that that was a sexual thing. Like what did you work out? Yeah, I think, okay, so me working my stuff out was more of digging into the belief behind how is how am I creating that sense of being unsafe within mm-hmm. myself, right? right. Because mm-hmm. so there's there's several fold factor that's happening with this type of situation is because I was becoming more visible, I'm being my authentic self. And then all of a sudden, somebody would step forward and do or say something that was, you know, unacceptable to me. So it crosses a boundary. So one part of it is keeping my boundary with other people, right? And then the other part was discovering the belief that was underlying there and without going into the whole process because there's I have a process to this and deducing it down, it went from or it stemmed from because I couldn't be my authentic self as a child, I had to be what people wanted me to be. So I, it wasn't safe for me to be my authentic self. Yeah. Because if I did, then I was demonized mm-hmm. and I wasn't loved or accepted. So now when I moved into being my authentic self, there was that underlying belief that would create something whether it was and and the way that the universe works and the synchronicity of it all it's not like you're making somebody go and do this or you're purposefully doing something it's just something that happens because of a vibrational flow right and when it would happen is so my heart would be opening up as being my authentic self so when my heart opens up and that love vibration flows People feel good about themselves when I'm around. Mm -hmm. People feel elevated. And when they feel in that place, sometimes with their beliefs, whatever that is, sometimes their love vibration and belief around love turns into whatever their belief is. And sometimes it's, you know, love equates to sex or lust or whatever that is for that person so it has nothing to do with me and that's on them Mm -hmm. but on me it was when somebody would act or say or reach out in a certain way i was receiving it and perceiving it as i'm not safe unsafe and i totally am 
But that yeah. was part of the belief. I'm not safe to be myself. So this person was showing you what was still active in your vibration and then gave yes. you an opportunity. Oh, my God, I'm still holding that. You know, even though I'm being more authentic and loving life, I'm still holding I'm not safe. I can change that. Now I know I can oh, change yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. bless that creepy person that's trying to hit you up. <laughs> like, right. Creepy sex person. <laughs> But that's it. That that's that is the whole part of the people that are in your life. The things that come up that are not really aligned. Look at those things because there's a twofold factor. There's what is it for you and within you, and then there's the element that's theirs. And you don't need to worry about what's theirs. You only need to figure out what is yours and what does it mean to you, and then how do you want to move forward? How do you how to align it? So it, it's aligned with your values and your truth and your passion and your purpose, your authentic self. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If people are triggering you, then they're showing you what's, you know, what can change. It's like last night sitting next to this gorgeous woman. I've known her for years, but she thinks that everything I do is stupid and not sensical. <laughs> and she's like totally in judgment and skepticism and ridicule. But I can sit next to her and giggle and enjoy her judgment of me instead of being offended, you know. And when you know that you can enjoy someone judging you and putting you down, that it's not triggering any I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm, you know, people think I'm stupid, people think I'm woo-woo, like it's all gone, right? Yeah, so, yeah, people can come on to you, they can judge you, they can call you woo-woo and crazy and you can love it. You can laugh. And, and that's the it. thing is when somebody is judging you, you know that they judge themselves so severely. Yeah, totally. You know, so that's totally. their reality is because I judge myself so severely, I project it out onto you. So that's really the thing is, you know, love that person because they're judging themselves harshly, more harshly than they need to. And until they're ready to see that and do that work for themselves you can just be like yeah let it roll yeah because <laughs> it doesn't yeah. bother yeah absolutely oh what a great conversation Diane. i didn't know we were going to go there but so <laughs> cool so cool so just getting back to the experience when you came home you noticed things that were different but did your family like your kids and husband sounds like your husband noticed you were different like were you different to them yeah, I'm still trying to work out if you, because you, you seem to have popped into a, a parallel reality, but was the Nicole in that reality depressed and suicidal like the other Nicole, or was she all love and light? Or was there a transformation in both realities, one sort of left and one transformed? Yeah, that... I think that's I think that's kind of more so what happens because, you know, if you think that these these parallel realities that and when they are merging together in this particular kind of fashion, you have to be able to step through this doorway and mostly everything is very much the same. There are just slight differences that happen. So mostly it feels very normal, but with the near-death experience and just enough that was changed because I, because that triggers this love vibration 
a whole healing vibration happens. So love vibration is healing vibration. So because that ripped through my entire body, there was a lot of healing that took place instantaneously. So that's what the big transformation was in that person. So a life transforming event happened, which gives justification for the trigger to change. Does that make sense? Instead of, yes, it's not like you go to bed and you wake up a completely different person and you don't know what happened. That person had an experience and had a memory of an experience. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. Well, we've kind of discussed this. I don't know if we're going, but like, why do you think it, do you think it happened to you because of you wanting to die? It's like, you got what you asked for. Like, I want to die. I want to die. You were dreaming about you know, a hundred ways. What is that? A thousand ways to die or you were dreaming about being an accident. So you kind of created it in a way, or were you, were you seeing a future reality that was going to happen or were you creating it or both? Jeez. It it can kind of, it fractals out because that's really it. And that, that whole fractaling is what made the most sense with uh, seeing the, that movie. Um, Interstellar. interstellar yeah interstellar and it was just it was it's crazy because you can see so many different things that I always had this weird feeling that I was going to die in a car accident and then um, fast forward that was when I was young and then fast forward to all that depression and constantly thinking about it, it was I was manifesting it and yet when you die what happens right? So what happens to you when you actually die? Well, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just transforms. So how does it transform? And maybe, and you can take it or leave it, but there's a potential that, hey, when we, when the versions of us, if we're the same person in different dimensions, the version of us, when that dies off, just transforms and and combines with another version of you in another dimension. I feel like we jump into these other realities so many times that we're like, just kind of bopping around at the fulcrums. Yeah. And (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. Because our consciousness is looking for ways to when we're in a growth mindset or you know, the reverse, if we're going to retract, um, where are we going to another dimension that's doing something else? Because if we're constantly doing the same thing and time doesn't exist, then guess what? If time doesn't exist, then we're always in the present. So how do we move from one space to another, one one ex- experience to another by bopping over to another dimension (laughs) yeah I've had a few of these discussions on the show there was uh what's her name it'll come to me in a minute there was one lady that had been rejected by a guy when she was young and and she knew about parallel realities and she's like no he's not going to reject me and so she switched timelines where he didn't and they got married and they were married for 30 years which I found was interesting then another um friend uh, Penny Kelly 
who had met her other self. So another self who had made a decision when they were young not to get married and have kids and, and pursue a career. And she actually met, I don't know how it was the astral form or physical form. I'm not quite sure of the details, but she met the other self that was living this other life as an author. Even though she's an author now, she had spent a lot of time, you know, tending a farm and having children and doing all that. Whereas this other self had spent time writing for magazines and became quite known as an author in the mainstream world. And uh, yeah, she met this other self, but this other self was single. And at the time that she met her, the other self said, you know, I really like your husband. Do you mind if I pop in your body and have sex with your husband? Because I haven't had sex for ages. Because <laughs> Penny said she was canning tomatoes in the kitchen and her husband had said, you coming to bed? You coming to bed? And she said, no, I'm going to finish canning the tomatoes. And the other self went and had sex with the husband while she was canning tomatoes. Oh, it's all so strange. It's mind-boggling, really, Nicole, isn't it, how all this stuff works? Yeah, I, it really is. And I really feel from this, this perspective, we might never really understand until we leave this linear time space reality and we can see it from a non-linear no time no space reality perspective and that is super key right there because that's something that I've been saying for the last few years now and the more that I step into accepting that and practicing that which it's kind of weird because we live in this reality that we've we have times and deadlines to everything and when we have to pay our bills and how much money we have to make by a certain point, you know, uh, to pay the bills, all that stuff. So we have these timestamps that are constantly keeping us in that time. Yeah. But when we slip out of that, weird things happen. And even there's something that happened to me last night that... I don't know if I can get into all the details on, but I'll say this. So I'll give like a little glimpse and maybe this is something we follow up with later if the people want to hear it. But it was such this thing where my boyfriend and I woke up. We both have these weird sleeping patterns. So we both woke up and then we had this whole conversation with each other. And there was a lot of like this cool processing of, I was telling him, you know, this is what I uncovered in my belief system and like something that went back to childhood. I'm like, wow, this is, this is like that other piece that I was missing of getting rid of. So it was really cool because at, when I shifted from my last relationship to this relationship, there was a misalignment and it had to do with that element. So I had shifted enough to be able to see this piece unfold and me to say, like show him. So we're mirror imaging, right? And to also show him that, you know, here's what you think and perceive about yourself, but I'm gonna show you what I see. And it has to do with this. So we both had a lesson around these very words that, that I had to work through from my own stuff, which gave him some healing and enlightenment too. So it was just like this whole, psh, right? And then after that little healing talk session, we were just laying there looking at each other, you know, laying on the pillow, facing each other. 
And I was like in awe, like looking at his face and all I could see were like these shimmers at first. And then, so I was describing it saying, you know, something really cool is happening in your face. And I, I'm not really sure what's happening, but it's like, I can see these shimmers and glimmers and sparkly things and a little bit of like streaky things that kind of remind me of fireworks in a way. And, and then at, he's like, that's weird because I see the same thing on you. And I was like, all right, that's weird. So I start describing it more and I'm like, I think I see your stardust. And he's like, that's so weird. He's like, let me describe it to you. And he described it in his own words. And I'm like, that is exactly what I see. And then, you know, our faces were like morphing and like disappearing. And then all of a sudden it was like, it opened up and you could see into galaxies and this whole cosmic thing happened. So I'm going to stop there because there's a, that's, there's a whole other thing that is still unfolding right now with that. So I'm just letting that be where it was just, there was a lot of cosmic stuff. There was a lot of like um, interdimensional being races that were seen. And there were just so many things that were happening all at once. And he got a little freaked out too. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was a whole other level. And he's like, what is happening right now, Nicole? And I just said, I, you know, this has never happened to me like this before. Like, I don't even know what's happening right now. This is something crazy. And like everything that we described was happening, was happening. We were both seeing the exact thing yeah. looking at each other. so weird sounds like you had reached a level of vibrational frequency in your appreciation of each other that had allowed you to dissolve your human identity and see into your multi-dimensional aspects yeah and it was showing you because a question even before we came on today I was thinking about you and listening to you this morning and thinking, mm, I wonder what her star lineage is. Sounds like you were shown last night <laughs> what your star lineage is. Do you want to share any of that? Like what? where you've played on other planets? and, and- Oh, yeah. So there's definitely um, a few of the Pleiadian um, pieces there, definitely. Uh, Arcturian. Uh, I feel like... There's also um, a little bit of serious, but definitely, I definitely have this affinity for Arcturus and some Pleiadian, and I've always been attracted to Bootes. So with within Arcturus, so there's that. I feel like there's several pieces in there and then there's also something that I've always been connected to that I hadn't seen anything around but like I just called them the Tamurians um so it was something from Tamu this is how I recognized it and Mm -hmm. I remember seeing these beings from a long 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 time ago um but yeah there was just so many different morphings and seeing of things and then even some guides were coming through he saw one of my guides overlapping my face and I'm like oh that one that one really reveals 
your fears. And it did, it revealed a fear. So it freaked him out. <laughs> Why did it reveal a fear? Did the guide look scary? Because or? It, yeah, it, it, it shape shifts into something that means something about the fear. Uh-huh. And it, uh-huh. it actually is bringing an awareness. So our human reaction with fear um, and I've experienced this with him before the my my guide and so it's very gesturish very gesture and I had even I drew this gesture the first time that that I met him so I showed him my picture I'm like oh it sounds like you met my jester and I showed him the picture of it and he's like oh my god and like he's just like I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want <laughs> because he's like that is the exact image that I saw and I'm like yeah I'm not surprised but um this gesture will will expose a fear and I can give an example of the phases that he'll take you through if you allow yourself to be curious and open and work through it because what will happen is he's going to show you that fear fast and furious and come at you with it directly at you and it'll be flying at you so fast that you don't know what to do so it triggers the fear and you feel the fear so the first time that that happened I was like I could hear myself saying help me (laughs) and because I felt unsafe help me so it was out of fear help me but then he showed me you're only doing this to yourself do you understand and I was like oh help me, but help me, help me understand. Right. And then he was showing me some more things. And then I said, help me again. And that was okay. Help me see what I need to do to overcome that. So do you see like how we go through these things? And it was, and I was actually saying when I was in a clear channeled vision of this. I had some people that were nearby and they were, they, I knew I said, help me three times because I knew I said, help me three different ways. But they said, I was saying, help me for about three minutes straight over and over again. Wow. Because I was in like such a deep trance with it with what I was doing, the work that I was doing. And um, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I'm like, thank you for not trying to help me because it wasn't about you helping me. It was about working through what I was working through. It was pretty cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, you definitely work with the Arcturian consciousness. They're masters of mind here to teach us about our... um, you know, how we create our reality. It's that sort of work, like the conversation that we were having, you know, seeing what's active in your vibration, seeing the fear. Like if you're in fear, it's because there's a belief that is active that you're believing to be true. Like I'm in danger, I'm not safe or whatever belief that it is. And yeah, the Arcturians are helping humanity with that at the moment as we shift in human consciousness. I want to get into, because we're really kind of getting out there in this conversation. You still work in the corporate world, in you know in leadership programs or what do you do in the corporate world and you're straddling these two worlds i'd love to know 
how you're bringing this knowledge. Can you bring this knowledge into this world or do you dumb it down to make it sort of sound more scientific and logical and like, how do you do well, it? Well, I am a scientist, so mm. I do love the science side of it. And I bring that science meets spiritual into it without making it all that like weird woozy woo <laughs> that many um, type A personalities don't really want to hear about, right? So it, that's okay. A lot of, there, there's just, there's a lot of ways to to look at something and to analyze something. So when I work with people who are more corporate types it's i've done i've done some teacher professional development days which is really great because on the limiting belief side so it's meditation and de-stressing and how to how to work from a different angle and also getting rid of and identifying beliefs not only in themselves but they can use the techniques that i teach them to work with their kids because there's very specific things that kids will do and that adults will do because it's our inner child that's coming out, whether we realize it or not. So I show the different techniques on how to delve deeper into understanding themselves, which also helps them to work with their kids, especially the kids that they perceive as troubling or disruptive because those are the kids that are looking for certain types of things. And if you're not giving it to them, they're going to lash out in that disruptive way. So that I work with people like that. I work with sales teams. Um, the sales teams that I've worked with are typically teams that are having a little bit of a hard time with basically they're, they're triggering each other and keeping each other in victim villain hero modes and they're not growing together. So they're not really understanding and communicating properly to make things happen and be productive. So I shift the minds of all of them in at once so that they become more productive and work together and, and it escalates the team exponentially. Uh, financial advisors as well. And um, a lot of the like corporate leadership development type days that everybody gets together and they have a speaker come in and, and mm. talk about, you know, some motivation factors. And because I deliver with an experiential factor, I help people experience some things, experience a shift in that audience so that they walk away and then they can continue that growth. Mm. But your story is out there. Do I suppose it's like like attracts like, isn't it? They're not kind of watching podcast shows like this or the other podcast shows that you're on, sort of hearing about your near-death experience. Do you ever bring in that story into the corporate world that you had had a quantum shift, shifting timelines? No. I talk more on, for in the corporate space, I, I talk more on the... Um, the near death I had with mercury poisoning. So it's, you know, not being able to do my job and, you know, having this space where I was a leader of a team and that team was working with eight different departments in pharmaceutical development. And we were the hub of that. I also was the analytical lead for five different 
international campaigns. So I dealt with five different countries and the campaigns that were going on and making sure everything was running smoothly and keeping the projects going and, and analyzing and reviewing the data from these other countries too. So my job was very demanding and was still considered in that middle management position. So I had to manage up and manage down. And when I was suffering from mercury poisoning and my health was declining over several years time, because it was a year and a half that I would get tested on all kinds of different things. And everything was like, nope, you're normal, Nicole. And I was far from normal. But that whole space, I had to be on top of my game and I wasn't. And I did the best that I could until I couldn't anymore. And I, I had to get pulled out of work for six months. And then, you know, when I came back, there was like a stack of stuff that was waiting for me because everybody was like, well, we'll just wait till Nicole comes back because nobody really knows how to do that like her. <laughs> so the timeline is... Uh, in 2006 was the, was the car accident thing. In 2008, I had started officially my business. Um, somewhere between 2008 and 2009 is when I started getting mercury poisoning, but didn't know it yet. By 2011, I was really feeling the effects. And so between 2011 and 2012, I was getting tested and tested for all kinds of different things that were happening. And I kept chalking it up to, well, my job is very stressful. Um, my boss was very stressful. And, you know, there was all kinds of things that I, I just felt like were these pieces that were working against me. So when it got to its peak of, I'm going to die if I don't figure this out, because I had to figure it out that I had mercury poisoning. And when I asked my doctor to test me for mercury poisoning, he laughed at me. And, but when the results came back, it was basically, oh my God, you need to go see a specialist immediately because this is ridiculous. And that specialist said, I can't believe you're sitting here having a conversation with me right now, Nicole. And the way I was talking, I could barely talk. So I kind of was saying, you call this a conversation in my slow, slurred, stroke-like, <laughs> stroke victim type talk. And he said, well, let me put it into perspective for you. People with levels as high as yours are either vegetables or dead. Wow. So we had to start chelation therapy immediately. So that's the timeline is, you know, by that time 2012 all the way to through 2013 i was in chelation therapy and then i was lumped into a layoff because i had asked well i'm going to be very strategic here and very careful in my speak i had asked previously to the layoff if they could test my room for mercury and I was told that it was too expensive and that they were not going to do it. And yet I found out that 
the room that they were doing HVAC stuff in and all kinds of things were happening in that room right next door to my office used to be the old thermometer room. And I have also a genetic mutation that I cannot process heavy metals, so I can't eliminate them. Well, that answered that question. I was going to say, where did you, how did you get the mercury poisoning? But it was from work. It was from, yeah, okay. So in 2013, actually on this day, 2013 was my official, on my paperwork, you know, my official um, let go date. Oh, okay. Because they didn't want to take liability for what had happened, I suppose. I had to sign a waiver saying I wouldn't sue them in order to get my severance package, which I was basically kind of in a corner because I was the sole provider for my family of six. Wow. So, and, and with, with that sickness, with that mercury poisoning and with the chelation therapy, even there was no energy to battle anything, but to battle for my life. Yeah. And that's all that I could put my energy to. So you said you had another NDE. Did you did you have another out of body experience during that time? Not during that time. Um, that other NDE happened this past June, twenty twenty three. Oh wow! When I was undergoing surgery. What and happened? actually, <laughs> so that, what happened? Um, this is the first time that I say it on a podcast. Ooh. Okay, so I was scheduled for gallbladder surgery, um, gallbladder removal. And the week beforehand, I knew that I would have a choice of to stay or come back. But I couldn't tell anyone that because if I did, I would be giving up my power to fully own that decision. And then I would be co-creating with whoever I told, which would mean I'm co-creating with whatever fears that they might have of me not coming back. Absolutely. So I decided I cannot tell a soul. <laughs> I went in for the surgery and it was um, 9.52 when they wheeled me into the surgical room, 9.52 turning 9.53. And I was sitting there as they were adjusting the table and and prepping like the robot arms and like getting everything in in position. And all of a sudden I went into, I I go into these trance modes when things happen to me. And I went into this trance mode and I think it was there that I decided, no, I'm coming back. Like I've got to come back. So I was telepathically communicating with my friend, Sandy. And I basically said, okay, remember these words. I have to come back and I have a lot of work to do left. So I have to come back. And then it was okay, get on the table and we're moving you over because that was it. And then I remembered going out. And when I was out, it was like a bunch of dominoes, like people. I, I visited so many different people. And every single one of those people, so this is a shared NDE, every single one of those people, when I connected back with them, said to me, God, Nicole, I didn't know if you were going to come back or not. And Sandy had told me, when she called me later, she said, I don't know what you were doing at exactly 10.08, 
And I'm like, I was on surgery, right? And she said, at exactly 10.08, I felt your presence in my car. And I said, hello, Nicole. And she said, I felt like you were debating on whether to come back or not. And I said, you get back there. You have to come back. You have a lot of unfinished work to do. So get back there and come back, right? And and I was so out of it when I was talking to her that I was like, all right, we have to talk about this later, but I can't believe that you are reiterating, reiterating the same exact words that I told you before I went into surgery. And she was like, what? <laughs> so like, I just, I can't talk to you right now, but just mind those words and we'll talk about this later. And then there was also after the domino and with Sandy, and then I was, then there was this whole light burst thing that happened. And I, I probably could go into a half an hour on that whole thing, but speeding this up is there was a huge download of stuff and how I can explain that download is there's so much information that was coming in and some of it was for now, some of it was for later and some of it had to be triggered by events or things. And it was kind of like if somebody were to take this picture book and just go and, and you capture it glimpses and images of things, but not the whole thing. So you just have these pieces yeah. That's what was happening to me. Yeah. There was also a sense of there was another soul there that I connected with that was from past life soul. And I kept telling this person, I came back for you. I came back for you. I came back for you. And I didn't know what that meant. And I was trying to make sense of it in my current life. And it, I don't know if it fit right. It didn't fit right. It didn't fit right fully 100%. So I was trying to figure that out. I just had to let it be because what ended up happening is the boyfriend that I met had a near-death experience at the exact same time that I was in surgery. And when I was coming back and forth, like I was trying to come through so our timelines, so there's a lot more to this than, than I'll go into all the details, but our timelines, the exact times of things that happened throughout my day and, and my surgery and everything were happening with him and his heart issue that turned into his near-death experience oh. that we connected at the same time in energy form. And when I was coming back, it took forever for me to come back. I was coming back in and I would like trying so hard to open my eyes and the nurse was sitting there and I'd open my eyes and the nurse would say, Nicole, I need you to take a deep breath for me right now. And then I would just kind of go like this super shallow breath going, okay, I'm taking a deep breath and I, I just can't get a deep breath in. So I would take this super shallow breath that felt so labored to take. And then as soon as I took that breath, I would say, oh yeah, I wasn't breathing. And then I'd let that out like so weakly. And then I'd, I'd be out again. And then I just kept doing that. And it was, it felt like seven times I did that. 
And every time it was the same thing. Nicole, I need you to take a deep breath for me right now. And I'd, and I'd do the same thing. And then the last couple of times I was, okay, I have to try to get back in here. And I was trying so hard to keep my eyes open. I'd be like, keep your eyes open, wake up, like, just let me back in. And the last time I remember the nurse was like, you know, you've been here a lot longer than what you're supposed to have been here for. And I'm like, I, uh, <laughs> I had some work to do. I don't know. What can I say? I was busy on the other side. What can I say? Leave me alone. Right. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So the person that you said I have to come back for you after is the boyfriend. Yeah. And then we we were put together in the most bizarre way because neither one of us wanted to meet anyone at that particular points in our lives. Yeah. Amazing. Sounds like you two have yeah work to do together. That's very cool. Very yeah. Cool. Has he shared his experience, his NDE with anybody or, or just you, or does he share it publicly? He doesn't, he hasn't shared it publicly at this point yet, but he has shared it with me. So I think there's some, a little bit of exploration to be had on that. But when we, when we connected on it and talked about it, it was like, rapid fire back and forth with each other of of timelines and and just kind of squaring up what what was happening um physically um and on my side I was I talked a lot about the energetic side of it and you know he's like you saved my life that day like he he that's what he connects is like you saved my life that day you helped me get back oh okay so he he was making a decision to stay or go and you in your energetic form, as you say, we're saying, no, you've got to go back. I, you know, you're, we've, we've got to do this thing together. I'm yeah. going back for you. Like, so if I'm going back, you're going back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was exactly <laughs> like how it was. Yes. I, was like, I came back for you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like I can't yeah. go back in there. If you're not coming with me. Right. Right. Yeah. So tell me how long was it before you met after you had the experience? Like it was a days, weeks, three weeks. Wow. That's very literally cool. three weeks to that day because it was three Thursdays after because the you, surgery you, was on a Thursday. Because you both had surgery, so you both had to heal. Sounds like he had a heart operation. Did you say heart problems? Yeah, he had a heart thing that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you both had to do some healing before you could meet physically. Fascinating stuff, going on. Fascinating. Well, We've been right. yucking for ages and I can I talk to you all day. There's just so much to explore. But, yeah, we'll do this again. We'll definitely do this again either on the show or in one of the groups that I'm facilitating and we'll, yeah, get into it with a group. Would you like to do that? Yeah, that would be great. That sounds like fun. Yes. Oh, whoa. Well, I could ask you a million more questions, but I think we might just end it there. Thank you so much for sharing with us so openly and so beautifully. We had some tech problems at the beginning, which seemed to, it's funny, as soon as you finished talking about March 2006, <laughs> they seemed to all magically disappear. And then it's been great since then. But anyway, hopefully people will still, you know, stay and listen. Uh, to the conversation because it's just been fascinating. Thank you so much for chatting with us today.
Oh, thank you, Karen. What a wild ride with Nicole. Amazing. Amazing. She was sharing a few more insights into what's been going on with the meeting of her uh, late, her partner, which was fascinating. But yeah, a lot more to share from Nicole. We were talking about after I turned off the recording, we we're talking about so many things, talking about the expansion of consciousness and how many podcast shows that she's been asked to be on and sharing her experience and yeah, talking about people in the corporate world, how some of them, because uh, I said, you know, they're not going to find this podcast. And they said, well, she said, well, you know, some of them are the undercover, you know, spiritual people that watch all these podcasts and never talk about it, which is the conversation that we had, that uh, you find these shows and you start thinking about this stuff and then you go into your work environment or your friends and family and you never talk about it thinking they'll think I'm strange. But the expansion happens when you do start talking about it because you find other people your, your vibe attracts your tribe. You'll find other people that you know that you probably think would never be into this stuff. Uh, it are. And, you know, one day in the not-too-distant future, nobody will have to hide this conversation of thinking about parallel realities and life after death and reincarnation and telepathy and out-of-body experiences and multidimensional realities speaking with consciousnesses streams of consciousnesses from other worlds and other realms it's all going on <laughs> how are you doing it and how are you spreading the awareness of this knowledge how are you expanding consciousness i'd love to know are you talking to your friends and family that are skeptical about it do you unashamedly you know speak about your truth mm. it's a big conversation at the moment, one day this conversation will be superfluous because everyone will just be talking about it. What do they say on that Apple ad? It's the crazy ones that change the world. Here's to the crazy ones. They're the free thinkers. They're the ones that change the world. Yeah, fascinating. Fascinating conversation. All right, who's coming up in the inner sanctum? Bonnie Satori is coming up in the Inner Sanctum this month, month of November. I think Bonnie was on the show at the beginning of the year and she did an amazing, go check out the show with Bonnie. She did an amazing clearing at the end of our conversation. She clears negative thought forms, negative entities, I think people call them, and, uh, yeah, a beautiful healer uh, who has um, had amazing experiences what does it say here? From a child, she had a very traumatic start starting in the womb when her mother tried to abort the fetus. She was molested. Yeah, she's been through the ringer, I'll tell you. And uh, she's an amazing, yeah. So so we're going to meet Bonnie and maybe do some activations and some, I don't know, we'll just play it by ear and see what happens with Bonnie. But she was excited to be a part of the Inner Sanctum and come and share her wisdom with the group. So if you're interested in, in being a part of that, sign up on Karen Swain dot com slash inner dash sanctum there's a little sign up form there and you'll receive the uh, invitations to the zoom calls if you want to meet the uh, guests that i showcase in the inner sanctum and i'm on this weekend i'm on at the beginning of the month for <laughs> conscious conversations and cosmic conversations with the tribe we i don't usually record or stream those conversations i just just have it as a gathering for people to share what they're going through and share their 
you know, share what they've been watching, share what they've been tuning into. We just chat, get together. It's lovely. It's lovely. Just group support. So if you're interested in doing that, sign up and uh, you'll get the emails for when we're on and the Zoom link. And I look forward to meeting you in the online groups. And I'm going to be starting a healing circle soon. So if you're interested in finding out what limiting beliefs are stopping you from expanding more into your full potential, let me know and you can join our healing expansion, consciousness expanding circle. Big love to all of you and to remember to check out the book Awakened by Love, <laughs> Awakened by Death and love, death and love, same conversation. People that die say, I experienced love like I've never experienced it before. So death and love is synonymous, aren't they? No longer is death the grim reaper. Death is like returning to love, which is the first book I put out. But we don't have to die to get there. We can return to love without dying and experience this world from that loving perspective, which is a whole different dimension in itself. And I will catch you on the next show. Big love to all of you. Bye for now.